Hello, everyone. I'm Dr. Frank Gomez, and this is All Things STEM. Today on our show, I will be chatting with Dr. Tony Colson, Professor of Information and Decision Science in the Jack H. Brown College of Business and Public Administration and Executive Director of the Cybersecurity Center at California State University, San Bernardino, CSUSB. During his tenure at CSUSB, he has led more than 20 grant-funded cybersecurity projects totaling over $18 million. He is a globally recognized cybersecurity expert and leads the Center of Academic Excellence, Community and Cybersecurity Education as an NSA National Resource Center for over 265 colleges and universities. Today, we will discuss the Cybersecurity Center and the impact he is having on students and the institution. Well, Tony, it's great to have you on the show today. I read in your campus biography that you started your first technology business at the ripe old age of 14. Is this true? It is actually. So long time ago, uh, uh, when computing was relatively new, I had this idea of a computer camp for kids. And I proposed to the city of Burlington, Ontario, I lived in, I put together a proposal and the city just didn't know what to do with it. So they said, uh, no, we're we're not going to do it even as a summer program. A friend and I uh, got together and we actually decided to uh, rent office space and we marketed and we started a computer uh, training business and got the, we had equipment, we had everything. And actually we had more um, adults show up than we did kids. And I knew that we're really on to something. And then from there, I actually went and uh, worked in a, a business and expanded the retail of a uh, company selling uh, uh, computers at the time. And uh, uh, that company is actually still there, which is pretty amazing. But yeah, 14 years old and uh, haven't stopped since. That's pretty neat. Do you remember what types of computers you actually used uh, at that, uh, that 14-year-old? <laughs> yeah, actually, they were uh, Commodore VIC-20. It was, uh, it was the... The people's computer at the time, it was uh, $499, and uh, we actually rented uh, televisions. And then what was interesting is we got some uh, press because, you know, 14 years old. Uh, And Timex, the watch company, had released a brand of computer called the Timex Sinclair. And so they also, uh, they donated six of those to us. Uh, Vice President Timex uh, wrote us a letter and said, you're getting six of these. And, uh, you know, again, it just kind of all, all took off. Talk about being in the right place at the right time, because a lot of people were very afraid that their jobs were going to be replaced by computers. And so, again, we were starting this camp. It was called Computer Playground. It was for kids. And adults were coming in, and they were basically workers who had been had lost their jobs that thought, I need to learn, uh, learn computing. And they're learning from you know a couple of 14-year-olds and then, uh, you know, other businesses started doing this. It was really the being at the beginning of a technology revolution that was unfolding at the time. That's, that's really amazing. I wonder how much memory was in those computers uh, during the day, huh? <laughs> uh, 3.5 kilobytes. Um, oh, my. I mean, uh, wh- <laughs> what, what can 3.5 kilobytes get you today? Uh, well, uh, uh, not much if you can find anything that has 3.5 kilobytes. But uh, yeah, you know, it was it was all about uh, programming and, and coding at those at that time. And so I actually wrote a statistics program uh, to uh, to graph data because we didn't have spreadsheets or anything at that time. And so we'd have people program not only games, memory locations, thing changing the colors on the screen, 
but also how you could apply the technology. And what for me, I look back at that, and I actually still have on my bookshelf sitting over here the first programming guide I ever got. My dad took me down to a computer store and bought it. I still have it. But to be at that time, learning these skills, the applied skills and how it paid off, that actually drives towards how I teach today. Fascinating. Who knows? We Instead of us right now calling it uh, Excel spreadsheets, it could have been uh, Colson spreadsheets, huh? Well, um, thanks for rubbing that in. Um, yeah, no, I'm just kidding. But yeah, ab- 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 absolutely. I think, uh, you know, being at the, in the seat of where I am uh, today and having been in computing for a long time, there is another homage I need to, you know, put in here is my father worked for the third largest computer company in the world at the time. And he would bring me in at five to look at these big mainframes. And the work that he was doing with his friends, uh, it's not only would this be a Colson spreadsheet, but this would also be Colson's parallel processing and, and technologies that were all invented by my dad and his co-workers back uh, you know, years earlier. It's, it, this is such a great field to see you know, the evolution of what uh, in my lifetime, to see the beginnings of things and now be where we are today. And still be driven by kind of that same that same mission space of how can we better educate our youth and re-educate workers to um, you know really do something important and something that benefits all of us in society. Uh, you know, it's, it's CSU's gain that you're uh, with us, uh, Tony, and, and you know down this uh, this history road. Uh, you know, give us some historical context now on what cybersecurity is. Well, remember, you asked me the question about 14. So there's a a newspaper article. You can look it up if you want. And the Toronto Star uh, newspaper, which is a national brand newspaper in Canada at the time, and they have me quoted, uh, they were talking about the early hacking events. And there was this movie that came out at the time called War Games with Matthew Broderick and us uh, people with a little silver on top remember that. Yeah, I I remember seeing that when I was was two years old. Just kidding. Keep going. And so we called it uh, uh, high-tech vandalism is the quote that I, 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 that, that I was famous for because I said it's high-tech vandalism because at the early days, that's what it was. And then there was nation states trying to do you know, things. So uh, evolved to today where you have hundreds of billions of devices that have been created, put out on, on, on the, um, you know, the in- internet, it's in the palm of your hands. And um, the more convenience we get, the more complexity is underneath. And the, we now have a reliance. Nine-tenths of the world's money is all transacted electronically. And so the bad people of the world um, can have force multiplier types of attacks. What I mean by that is one person can have such a significant impact. Robbing a bank is stupid, right? You walk into a bank with a gun, you're not going to get much. But as somebody that plots... Uh, how to rip off people um, in in this electronic currency world can get away with a lot more. And so we, as a society, we want our tech and our convenience, but at the same time, we need to really catch up in the area of cybersecurity to make sure that we're providing a safe environment for everyone. Yes, you know, I still remember uh, Dr. Falcon and Joshua, right? 
from war games. <laughs> I, I have a secret for you. That was the password to my computer was Joshua on, uh, you know, in the early days. <laughs> okay. Well, you could have been, uh, you know, that secretive. Uh, so, you know, on to uh, a lot of the great things you're doing at, uh, at San Bernardino. You know, what inspired you to establish the uh, Cybersecurity Center there? You know, there's a national crisis, and we all became aware of the predictions of a workforce crisis. But if I take a, a little further back, the work that I'm doing at Cal State San Bernardino today was inspired by uh, two of my professors when I was at Cal State San Bernardino, Dr. Walt Stewart and Dr. Tapi Rom. And they had such a commitment to students learning and applying and, and trying new things. And so when I became a faculty, thanks to Dr. Rom, who kept badgering me over many years, you got to come teach for us. He said, whatever you do, do it for the students. And I always I, I took that as as a mantra. And then when the uh, when somebody approached us about, would you be interested in creating a cybersecurity program? It was like a light went off. Right. It was like. Zoom, I'm 14 years old, talking about war games, I'm talking about it, I'm seeing the world in front of me. And I said, you know, part of our job as faculty is trying to make sure that we're future leaning so that our students can get uh, uh, um, social mobility, right? Come up from, uh, you know, low income to high income, well-sustaining jobs. And so it seemed like a natural fit. And so Dr. Rahm actually taught one of the first cybersecurity classes uh, at, at Cal State. And he said, you know, Tony, you should, uh, you should really try and run with this. And so um, taking uh, them, uh, Walt and Tapey as examples, we just absolutely uh, ran with it. And uh, we still hold that same mantra. All the people that work for me now, we have the center and we have like 20 for people that work in the center. The mantra is, at the end of the day, it comes down to the students. You know, the, just this past week, I've actually mentioned, mentioned your center a couple times as uh, exemplars to uh, faculty at other campuses. And certainly, you know, CS, you know, AI, uh, machine learning, et cetera, you know, it's all tied in. And, uh, you know, some of them are aware of some of the great things you're doing there and, uh, and really how it's uh, really, you know, connected to social good and social mobility and social welfare and how it can be related to, uh, to the, the community good. Uh, but, you know, a lot of this can't be done without funding, of course. Um, so, you know, now that you have your center, I know years ago, when you were on that new trek of now looking to fund and sustain your program, you wrote a uh, several million dollar grant to NSF and was successful. Uh, and I, I recall you you had not written a proposal before. You know what was in your head and what was your mindset? And uh, you know, tell us a little bit about uh, you know this this new chair that you're in that you now okay I have this entity I wanted to grow and. You know what was going through your mind now that and now I have this this new play toy. Now I got to find ways to 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 grow it. I would love to say I was it was a giant mastermind experience, right? So we said, "What? Okay, at the, let's just kind of go back." At the time that we started cybersecurity around 2007, the CSU had a lot of budgetary constraints, 
problems. There was even talk we we're going to eliminate programs. We we're going to do a, a lot of things. And I said, I want to start this new program. And immediately people said, well, you can't. They're never going to give new faculty lines. We're not going to get anything. So I said, what if we could get commitment from the faculty to reskill and learn the cybersecurity area? And it just so happens that Cal Poly Pomona at Cal State San Bernardino had written a grant. Um, I think it was a, a, a Title I grant. And they, re- and they received some money to, st- uh, to start investing in training faculty in emerging STEM fields. And so we worked with them and we said, all right, um, how, can, how can we build this? And we said, we're going to build a program um, and uh, use reuse objects, if you will, to create the beginning of the cybersecurity program and align it with um, some national standards. And uh, so President Al Karnick was presenting, the president of Cal State at the time was presenting at an event and he, he decided to let's have open mic. And I walked up to the mic and I said, here's what I want to do. And Al came up to me after and he said, whatever you need, whatever help we can give, let's do this. And I guess he told some people on campus, you know, these guys have some energy. And so uh, about a week later, I got called to a meeting and it was about a grant proposal at NSF. I'd never written a grant as junior faculty. And I was the only one who showed up. (laughs) Nobody else showed up. And they said, Tad, you're it. And I said, what is this? And they said, it's a scholarship program for students. And then bang, I said, I don't care what it takes. I'm in because it serves the students. It's going to provide, you know, unique opportunities for us. It, it, this is, this is going to be a great starting point. They said, but Tony, you understand it's an NSF grant. It's very hard to get. And I said, whatever help you can give me. And so I was told, write a mechanism, write something, get something down. So I did. I took a, a vision on it, and 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 we wrote this thing, and uh, we got feedback from the National Science Foundation, which was um, the review committee said we have concerns that you could get good quality students. So we're unsure that um, the review committee is unsure that they want to give you this grant because of who you are, which is you're Cal State, you're not you know big name university. The program director came out and visited our campus and it was summer. Nobody was here. And we just sat with him and I talked with him and and with my passion about it. He said, you know what? I'll give you some money and maybe in a year or so you can come with a couple of students to D.C. for our annual job fair. And I said, so do we have the grant? He says, we're going to give you some planning money. If you get some good students in the meantime, just let me know and we'll see if we can work with you. So, um. Within 10 weeks, I had 10 students, and we showed up at the job fair. Every one of them got a job, and uh, he came up to me. He said, what are you doing? I said, you told me if I get good students. I have 10. I have more waiting in the wings. And then uh, he started going around talking to the employers that hired our students. They said, but they've never seen a program like this before, very applied, very et cetera. And that was the beginning. That was the beginning of what started all this. So we ended up with a National Science Foundation proposal, and then we started mentoring other schools on how to do these these programs. And flash forward to today, and we managed uh, $38 million in grants, and uh, we just got another one uh, a week ago. Uh, for the With the National Science Foundation, where we're, we're co-leads with Whatcom Community College in the National 
Cybersecurity Training and Education Center. So we're a national center that was just recently hosted by President Biden. Um, and so we're hitting on all cylinders because of a philosophy that we started a long time ago, right? Serving the students, trying to solve a problem. Being the only person to show up to that meeting was not a, well, you're it, so too bad. It was it was like a light turning on. It was like somebody just pointed and said, this is the moment to do something really special and run with it. And we've never stopped since then. It was, it was a life-changing event in your life, it sounds like, Tony. And, and you know, that, that, uh, that comment from that reviewer and that NSF proposal about you will not be able to find quality students in today's cultural times, that would not be put into an, an NSF review um, because it just, it's not appropriate. And it, it takes us, you know, myself included in my role, even to this day, to sometimes educate people about what the value is of the CSU um, because they may know a couple of our campuses, but they do not know how large, how huge. Uh, you know, almost half a million students and 26,000 faculty. And, and of course, they don't know what our expertise is in any given campus. But now we know, you know, like in your case, cybersecurity, we can go straight to Tony and San Bernardino as that exemplar. But I think you've shown that, you know, what you can do and really have the, uh, the ears of uh, and the eyes of a program officer to actually take a chance on you. And it really has exploded to unimaginable level that you probably would never have dreamed of, huh? You know, my job as a faculty is to get kids to realize how smart they are, right? That's, that's, that's it, right? And, and when I say kids, I mean students, I mean adults, I mean everybody that comes to us. And it doesn't matter where they grew up. It doesn't matter what their background is. It means we get the best out of you. And a lot of our students come to our universities, our Cal States, because of economics, not because they don't have the ability, but because of economics. And it takes finding the right people that really understand this. The NSF program director is an amazing person, just absolutely amazing. I still talk to him today and seek his advice on a lot of things because he believed not in Tony Colson, but he believes in what our, our common mission is. And is it a dream come true? That was a statement you just made. And the answer is, I never imagined that I'd be in a position where I'm talking to people in, in, in Congress. I'm talking to you know government agencies, heads of industry, and I'm talking about the Cal State, right? Like, not just San Bernardino, but what we do and, and to be able to promote not only what we are doing as a mission, as a university system, but our, our I'm trying to think of the right word, what we do for society, really. I mean, seriously, it is not just we educate students, but it's this the economic impact and the generational change that comes out of the university. So 
we have this one scholarship program that we began with. We have run over 100 students through the program, 108 students. And I have a whole new bunch of them. And I follow a lot of them on social media. They call me and, and so on. And you look at the impact on where they were and where they are now. And you say, that I can die happy, right? I, that, that, but that is not enough. Because our next piece is we want to change the Inland Empire region, but also better the nation with the work that we're doing in the uh, national programs that we run uh, for the Centers of Academic Excellence. We want to show, here's what we did here at this school. Here's what we can do for the state, but here's what we're doing for the nation. Come, come, come with us on this wild ride. And we've had just a, a, amazing success. La last week, we were uh, addressing 343 colleges and universities as part of the National Centers of Academic Excellence and Cybersecurity Program. We, we lead the community, but it's a, it's a government program out of, N out of NSA, but we lead the community of universities. Amazing faculty that are all sharing this same passion and enthusiasm. I mean, and it emerged from here. Right. And it emerged from localities. And uh, I just uh, yeah, it is a dream come true to see the difference that we're all making together. You know, so with that being said, it it uh, the first word that comes to me is scaling. What do you think is possible, uh, given your great success at San Bernardino, to scale it uh, to not only some of the other CSUs and throughout the system, but really throughout the state, and you did mention about you know national and you know every, everybody else you're contacting. Uh, what do you see long term? You know, in the next say you know five to ten years that you want to touch on. I was just having a conversation with somebody who said, "Tony, you're you're really you're really uh, you know dreaming big here." And I said, "You know, uh, I have a bad habit of boiling the ocean. If we see success, we should share." That's really what it's about, right? Is if, if each of us can encourage others and we can share, we can make a difference. We have a 500,000 person deficit in cybersecurity. I wanna see it go away because it, it's, it's for us as a nation, we need that problem solved. But if we can also do that and solve other societal problems that go along with it, such as in the Inland Empire region where we're located, the number of anchor jobs and good, uh, good paying jobs, ones that, uh, uh, you know, people can earn a, uh, earn a decent living on, there's not a lot of them. And so I want to make sure that as we progress and if cybersecurity needs to be the engine, how can we create programs to build those anchor jobs, those capabilities here, but also uh, lift many boats uh, across the country? And so we're working with uh, cyber education diversity initiatives workforce initiatives. As a matter of fact, in the Centers of Academic Excellence National Program in the community right now, there are 140 initiatives that are all moving, that all range from everything from community development to uh, high, uh, teaching high school teachers and, and STEM. And we have a hand in, in a lot of that. And I love to see that people have caught the passion. So you, you referenced, you know, some of the programs you might like to do in the future. What uh, have you or what do you, what do you have planned in terms of K through 12 initiatives uh, with our, our young people? Well, uh, so part of this is 
if we're going to help solve this workforce problem, we need to reach down into, and we say K through 12, but a more middle school on up. How do you identify that talent that's at, at risk, if you will, especially in our area where high school attainment is and college attainment is so low? How do you motivate? How do you identify the talent in, in terms of uh, you know, aptitude, not as in you can and you can't, but where, where do you fit? Right. I, I think these are, these are all um, issues. So we have a couple of things going on. One is we were, we started a program uh, um, and their camps, they're called gen cyber. They're funded by NSF and the national security agency. And we worked with our local girl scouts and we started a program um, uh, of camps and reached, uh, you know, thousand girls uh, that were from Title I middle schools. And we're going to continue that program and expand it out to the Palm Desert area. Uh, we're looking at JROTC and ROTC programs because we see those as being something, uh, you know, big and important. But right now, sitting on my desk is uh, Tony's uh, little vision map. And Tony's vision map is I would like to set up what we call workforce centers on campus where with, with COVID, COVID's a blessing in some ways is that telework is becoming so ubiquitous. And so what if we could set up workforce centers on campus that had um, high school faculty, community college faculty, CSU faculty, all working together and also have employers working in it, and, and this is where their job is located. So students don't have to go try and find transportation to go to a job that they're delivering pizza. No, they could actually work on campus and earn credit towards their degree in an apprenticeship model, but they're on campus. Uh, an apprenticeship is different than an internship. An apprenticeship is, is an investment and it's a credit for credit for work very um, well metered by the Department of Labor to make sure it's all very genuine. But if we could set up these workforce centers in different campuses, I see that as a way to build that anchor and, and alleviate the stress for students that have to try and pay for school with menial jobs. What if we made them instead of menial, meaningful? And so that is where I'm heading. And, and thanks to a $3 million seed grant we just received from the National Security Agency and the Department of Defense, we are going to get started. And it reaches down to middle school. It works with career technical education programs and gives the ability to identify talent and bring them all the way through the baccalaureate level in apprenticeships. And, 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 and make this happen. And if we're successful here, then we will replicate that throughout the state. We have the state uh, uh, division of apprenticeship standards is well aware and, and rooting us on and supporting us. And then also the uh, deputy secretary of labor for the country has an eye on this. That's wonderful. Very, very wonderful. So, you know, in your center, can you briefly touch on some of those uh, key areas that your students are currently working on in terms of cybersecurity and what, uh, what some of those might look at look like in, say, five or 10 years? And I know things are in flux, very fluid right now, so who knows what, uh, what even tomorrow might look like. But you know, what are, you know, if, 
if your son was uh, 15 years old, um, what what would you position him for uh, for the future? Well, my son's 16, actually, and uh, and uh, I uh, he's going to do what he wants to do. But I will say. So we have a great vantage point where we are in San Bernardino because we also run a national research program called Insure Information Security Research Education. And we work with about 30 universities and uh, technical directors from national labs and the government on real cybersecurity research problems. And it, it's created a, a culture of uh, research. And so students started looking at these projects and saying, well, we want to do projects too. And under the guidance of Dr. Nestler at our university, uh, every student is supposed to be part of a project and lead a project. And so we have a lab downstairs that is free form for the students to do all sorts of cybersecurity works. Some of it's guided by us. Some alumni come in and work with them. Uh, I'll give you an example. Uh, we have students who are in our IST program working with Argonne National Lab on uh, autonomous vehicle simulation technology. And so we're, uh, we've devised a, a simulator for vehicle-to-vehicle -vehicle communication, but it's been actually multiple years. We even have a 2008 Hyundai that's ripped up down in the lab. It's just the electrical system, and we teach students how to hack cars. But we do research in, in drones. We do research. We actually do a lot in public policy. We have a, a gentleman from the who's the chief information security officer from a government agency. He's the best in, in the country, and he teaches our, our, our students law and ethics on, on cyber in this open lab, this extracurricular activity. 50% of what our students do are extracurricular, and it's purely voluntary. And so we have... Uh, so what, what should be going on five years from now? I'm going to tell you that the, the movements I see are machine learning and AI are big. And so uh, we're seeing our students start to lean in on that. They created a rover with Google that roams the hallways and is cloud controlled and it recognizes people. And then we're get, getting off the shelf stuff and we're starting to do research in that area. But five years from now, uh, uh, I would say AI machine learning is, is, is kind of where things are going, but, um, you know, just speaking as a faculty member, I, I, I have to say this: our job is difficult in the STEM fields in that we need to have our eye on jobs that are not invented yet because a student comes in as a freshman and there will likely be an entirely new job category in STEM by the time they graduate. And so at Cal State San Bernardino, what we can't adapt quick enough, we create um, in, in our lab environment and the, and the students push us in a lot of different ways. Yes, that is true. They, uh, they completely push us. And uh, I think that's a good thing. Uh, it keeps us uh, young at heart. So with that being said, one final question for you, Tony. If you could turn back the clock, the hands of time, and talk to your 18-year-old self, what would you tell him? Well, that's a frightening question. That was a frightening question. I would say um, 
just just thinking if I had to talk to my 18 year old self, I would say um, continue to follow your passion. I mean, it's hard to say because you started this interview and you said, hey, Tony, when you were 14, you did this. This is kind of how I am built. And my 18 year old self was very similar to my 14 year old self, which is still who I am today. I'm a bit of a Peter Pan is I don't want to grow up. I don't want to get uh, clouded by ideas of uh, what you can't do. It's always about what you can do. And I think that is the environment that we have on our campus here. And it's, and it's a philosophy that's followed me uh, uh, successfully throughout my career. Thank you, Tony. You're very welcome. Well, that's all for today's episode of All Things STEM. Thank you for listening. And many thanks to Dr. Tony Colson for joining me today. Join us again next time. Make sure you subscribe to this podcast on Simplecast, Spotify, iTunes, or wherever you may listen to your podcast. Until next time.